Um, so we have something a little different, as Jody said at the start. You know, it's never the same twice, so always make sure you come more than once. And um, tonight, there's definitely something quite different here. Um, let's bring it right through to that. Yeah, right through. Yeah. Um, so we have live animals in these boxes this evening. Um, and I'm going to be handing over shortly to Jesse, who is a capable animal handler. And, um, and so this is Jesse. Say hello, Jesse. Champion geezer. Uh, Jesse has brought Pierre with him as well. Hello, Pierre. And, um, and so, yeah, I, I'm going to let him do all the explaining. And kids, you, you might not want to miss this bit. So if you want to come out and just grab a spot here on the floor, um, I, I've got a bit of string here, and I need you to stay behind my bit of string, okay? So I'm going I'm to roll this string out like this, and um, I need you to stay behind it, because like I say, there's, there's some live animals in, in play in this situation. Okay, so... He's going to talk in this one because he's going to use his hands. Yeah. Are we ready? Are we ready? It's kind of exciting, hey? Okay. I'll give you this one. Amazing. Cool. So, as you heard, my name's Jesse. Um, I've been doing reptiles for quite a long time. I've always been fascinated in them and animals as long as I can remember. Um, so yeah, as some of you may be scared, like, oh no, you know, are they locked? So yeah, Every, all tubs are locked. Um, nothing should be getting out. Um, yeah, it should be in good hands. Everything's perfect. So yeah, let's jump into it. Cool. So this here is a ball python. Um, she's a female ball python. She's about two years old. Um, this is a normal ball python. So if people, if you've had experience or have had snakes before, you'll know that there's quite a bit of colorations, everything that people have bred out over the years. Um, so yeah, as you said, there's one called the banana ball python. <laughs> um, so yeah, this one, just a regular ball python. Um, she's about two years old. She'll get a bit bigger than this. It can range about, males will range about a meter. Females will be about two meters, two and a half meters. Um, with most snakes, uh, females are always the bigger one than the males. Um, so, yeah, of course, for females, they can lay quite a massive clutch side. So, ball pythons, they can usually range about six, but I have heard some have had 20 before. Um, Another snake that I have, which is a reticulated python, they can lay about 50 to 60 eggs at a time. Um, so yeah, this is the ball python. Cool. Yeah. 
Cool. So this here is a reticulated python. This is a male. As you can see, he's yellow and orange. Um, they usually come in brown, but as I said, a lot of people have been breeding them for genetics. So this is called a white phase albino reticulated python. As you can see, he has a lot of orange and things. When he gets bigger, that will all turn into white, and you'll just have these yellow blotches on top. So these are one of the world's largest snakes. So males, males are small, as I said, so they'll be about three meters. Females can get anywhere from six meters plus. Um, they um, overtake the anaconda by length. So these are, the, like I said, the longest snakes, and anacondas are the, um, take them on by width. So, yeah, so um, they are one of the people when you hear snakes that eat people. These are one of them. <laughs> so, yeah, they're miles. Ad adults, they can open up, can stretch about. So they have hinged jaws. That means they can detach, and then they can uh, stretch open, like I said, with most snakes. So they're miles that adults can be stretched at about 2.7 meters plus, of course, just to fit in big meals, and they'll eat almost anything that they can fit in their mouths. Um, of course, this is the baby. He's only a year old, and you can see it's quite a nice size, but he'll roughly range out at about two, three meters. Um, so, yeah, this is the reticulated python. Also, like I said, with females, they have to be big so they can fit in a massive clutch size. Um, these come from Asia. Sorry, also forgot to mention the ball python. They come from Africa. Um, so, yeah, this is the reticulated python. Cool. So, as most of you know, this is from South Africa. So this is your normal angular tortoise. Um, this is one of my females that I've had for about, I think I've had her for about four or five years now. So she's, yeah, she's, for me, she's quite old, but in tortoises, she's actually quite young. Um, yeah, these, they can live for about 80 plus years. Um, so this will go to my kids and maybe even to my kids' kids one day. Um, the pin. Oh, nice. Oh, no, it actually didn't, but there we go. Okay, well, you can go chill there. So, yeah, with tortoises, also, like, so she's just, Winks, of course, is the first time actually doing a show. So, in the wild, you'll never, you should never just go out. If you see a tortoise, just go and pick it up, because, like I said, you saw she's wean. Um, that was, you know, a bit more of a slimier wean than it should be. But anyways, <laughs> so, yeah, they'll just, like, just release water, of course, that's to, to, to uh, predators, but you never want to do that. If you see a tortoise on the road, rather stop on the side and try and get it along and to not get cars go past, um, because if they do we, that's the water supply gone. And I mean, with our heat and things, because you mostly see them in summer trying to cross the roads, um, there's not a lot of water around. So if he loses water supply, he's kind of a bit finished <laughs> if he doesn't get a water soon enough. Um, but as you saw, so this is my female, and um, I've been doing a bit of a breeding project with them, just because their numbers are quite slim. So this is a captive 
bred and born female. And so this year has actually been amazing. So what I have here, what I have here is one of her little babies that hatched about a month ago. Super tiny. It was a bit smaller than this. Um, so yeah, I have another two, two or so eggs. It's been actually an amazing year to start producing them as um, my plans is to have insurance colonies. So if they are going out a bit more due to deforestation, there will be captive colonies um, that are breeding and then can be released back into the wild to, of course, bring their numbers back. Um, so yeah, that's the angular tortoise. Cool. So this is the white-throated monitor lizard. Um, his name is Togan. Also had him for about four or five years. Um, yeah, so these, this is a male. Males will actually now, with, compared to uh, snakes, males in lizards are always bigger than the female most of the time. So you'll get about two plus meters. I haven't measured him, so, but he's probably about one, maybe 1.2 or so. Uh, females will max out at 1.3. They can lay up to 60 eggs. Uh, as you can see, he also has a forked tongue, so what he's doing now is smiling and just checking everyone out. Um, yeah, I've had him since he was about, I can't do that right now, there we go, about that big. Um, and yeah, he's, so as people think, oh, he's tame, he's all this, he's actually not tame, there's no such thing as a tame animal, he's just, trust me. Um, so as you can see, he's probably going to want to get on the go, but he's quite cold, so as same thing with reptiles, the way they get the energy is through the sun. So they aren't heated, they're going to be super slow, not want to go anywhere and just chill. Um, but yeah, so also, so now some facts about them. So they also love to swim. So if I can show you his tail right there as a nice ridge. So what he'll do is in the water, they'll go and they'll use it as a propeller. And so that will go and they can swim quite fast and actually spend some good time under the water, almost like a crocodile. Um, so these also you find in Eastern Cape. Um, if you do Google them, you will sometimes see the name come as a Cape Banded White-Throated Monitor. So we used to have them here in the Western Cape, but um, due to deforestation and all those things, they have actually almost been wiped out. So you don't really find a lot of White-Throated Monitors here anymore and more on the Eastern Cape side. So... Yeah, this is Togan. Um, also some defense mechanism about him. They'll use this tail and they'll crack it like a whip at, um, at any predator that comes close. And what they'll do is they'll puff out. So he's also known as like the tanks of the bush. So as you can feel, that's quite rock hard. Actually, yeah, we look at these are quite like tough. So that's also a fence. So when he's a baby, anything can pick them off. As soon as he gets bigger, he becomes a bit more confident because he knows nothing can take him on. And he'll flatten himself out like a pancake, um, and that's so nothing can get them. And sometimes you'll actually hear, he'll, he'll almost do like a growl, like a deep hiss. Um, as I know you want to go up here, but all right, you can tell you what, this is chill, you like that thing. 
So as you can, uh, so what he'll do is he'll do a loud growl, and that will also to warn predators off, say, hey, don't come close, because I can either crack you with a whip, or it's recently been discovered. As you can see, I don't want to get him to my face, reason being because of that tongue. So it's recently been discovered that they actually have a venom gland, so this venom cannot kill you unless you are allergic um, to it. If you're hypersensitive, that can send you to anaphylactic shock. Um, but all that venom is used for is to just paralyze you for a few minutes. Um, so, yeah, the reason why I don't want to get his, tongue, his face close to me, because if that tongue does go in my eye, I have a risk of getting that saliva in my eye. And, yeah, don't want that to happen. So, yeah, but this is Togan. He should be getting a bit bigger than this. Um, hopefully he'll have some babies soon. He has a schedule soon to go be with a female um, and then hopefully produce some more. These are also, like I said, been wiped out in the Western Cape and this only known place is the Eastern Cape that has them. So it would also be quite nice to have some more of them around as they also will eat almost anything. They eat up to bird eggs, fish, rodents, birds. Um, they're mostly known for going, climbing up tall trees about as high as that pillar and going into nests and raiding and getting eggs. But yes, that is Togan. Cool. So right now we're going to hand over to Peter Yaka, and you'll be doing more of our African species, well, African snakes, and yeah, you can take it from there. Cool. You want to use this? Or no, that's that? fine. Cool. Okay, I don't usually work with mics, so we'll see how it goes. So who's scared of snakes? <laughs> Not many people. I'm so glad to hear that. So for you guys at the bottom here, you young guys, I've got a golden rule when it comes to snakes. All right? Because we do find snakes from time to time at, in our gardens, at, in our homes, and things like that, depending on where you stay. So my golden rule that I always tell the kids is, if you see a snake, don't pick it up. Okay. Right, so if, you, if you're not scared of snakes and you think you're going to pick it up, don't pick it up. Because if you're not sure what that snake is, it could be a venomous snake. And even baby venomous snakes are dangerous. And there are a lot of snakes. So the snakes I've got, I've only got a few here today, but I've got a lot more that I, that are at home that I could talk about. But I'm not going to do it today. I'm just going to show you the non-venomous ones. But there's a lot of snakes that look very similar to other snakes. Okay, so if we're talking about a little baby cape cobra, a baby cape cobra is only about that big, and it's like a yellowy color, all right? And then you get little aurora house snakes look very similar. So if you don't know what the snake is, don't pick it up. What do you do? You go and call your mom and dad, and you keep an eye on that snake, and you'll get somebody like me to come and remove it out of your garden for you. And then I'll safely relocate it to a place where it will never be interfered by us again. All right, so I'm going to show you just four snakes, five snakes, um, that I brought with me that we could find in our houses, in our gardens, and things like that here in the Cape Town area. All right, so there are three of them which are known as house snakes. I'm going to show you those, and then there's a really special one that I really like. It's, in my opinion, the most harmless snake out of all the snakes in the whole wide world. And then I'm going to show you the Western Cape's biggest snake. Okay. And he's not that big. It's not so bad, but he's the Western Cape's biggest snake. So we'll start with one of my favorites. This is, a, this is called a brown house snake. All right? Brown house snake, easy to identify it. Brown, yeah. All right. And they don't come in any other color than this. 
Um, you find them, you usually find these up like on Tigerberg Hill. So if you're going on a hike up Tigerberg Hill, you might just bump into one of these. An easy way to identify this snake, and this is about as big as what it gets. All right, but as big as what you see it here, you could get a Cape Cobra that looks very similar in color to this. So how, do you, how are you going to know the difference between a Cape Cobra and a harmless brown house snake? All right, so what does a Cobra do most of the time? Spreads a hood most of the time when, he, when, when he's like really worried and he wants you to stay away. Now, a brown house snake can't do that, but what a brown house snake has got that a Cape Cobra doesn't have is two stripes that run across the top of its head like a V over its eyes. So I'm going to walk around. If you, if you don't want me to come too close to you with a snake, then just say, I, I, I'm a bit scared, but I just want to show you that little V on the top of its head. All right. So I'm just going to show the kids. So this is the purple house snake. Yeah, there we go. Well done. Right, so that's one of the snakes. And these snakes predominantly eat um, mice and rats. So they're really good for our environment. Snakes in general are good for our environment. So they take care of the rodent population. What do rodents carry? Diseases, rabies, all those kind of things that can infect us if we get bitten. Snakes don't carry that kind of stuff. So if we get bitten by a brown house snake, we won't get rabies. And we won't die or anything like that. It's a harmless snake. Um, so they're really good. And he'll take care of a whole family of rats in one sitting. Babies and all. Right, so the other little house snake that I have here for you guys is... is a little Aurora house snake. So the worst thing that these guys can do as a defense, most snakes, they don't like being handled all the time, is they, they musk on you. So they, they musk, they, they poo on you. So that's a way of saying, leave me alone. So sometimes this guy does it. If he does, don't worry. It's just a bit smelly. But an easy way to identify the snake, if you look at it off the bat, it could be a venomous snake. It could be a, a baby cape cobra. They look very similar in color. But this snake's got an orange line on the back of its on its back. And it's the only snake that we have here that's got that orange line. And so that's the easy way to identify the snake. Harmless Aurora house snake. So I'm going to show you guys.
Right, so that was an Aurora. This is an Olive House snake. Right, so we've got three here in the Cape Town area, what we call house snakes, because you can find them in your gardens and things like that. Olive house snake, pretty easy to identify. It's the same color as these olives that you buy and you eat uh, the green olives. So well, it's an olive green, very pretty snake. Um, these guys eat other snakes as well and they eat each other, so they are cannibalistic. Um, and this is about as big as what they get. This is a really pretty one. Not much I can say about an olive house snake um, apart from the color. Right, so guys, did you notice out of those three snakes, they were all like very shiny. Yeah, and those that you touched it, those of you who touched the snakes, come on, stand there. Did you notice that it wasn't very slimy either, huh? So snakes aren't slimy, but some snakes have got these really smooth, shiny scales. And then you've got snakes that have got a really rough, called keeled scales, a rough scale. They're not shiny at all. Now this snake, in my opinion... It's probably the most harmless snake in the world. And the reason for that is it hasn't got any teeth. And the reason for that is all it eats are eggs, birds' eggs. So this is an African egg eater, a rhombic egg eater. These guys eat birds' eggs, so they're specialist feeders. They, um, they're really cool, though. Um, would you believe that a snake like this, this, well, this actual snake, eats a chicken egg? It'll swallow a chicken egg. So you'll... you'll Open up his mouth really, really wide, swallows the egg, probably till about there, and then he's got special bones in his vertebrae and his backbone that cracks the egg, and then he squishes the egg, sucks it, gets all the yolk out, and then he spits the shell out. And that's all that he eats. Now this snake, he mimics other snakes as well. So you find these all over Africa, and up in the northern part of Africa, you get a snake called the saw-scaled viper. It looks very, very similar to this snake. So what this snake does and what the saw-scaled viper does, and the saw-scaled viper is a dangerous venomous snake, all right, responsible for a lot of snake bites up in the northern part of Africa. This guy mimics the saw-scaled viper. So when he feels threatened, and he won't do it today, but when he feels threatened, he flattens his head to look more like a viper because a viper's got like a triangular head. He opens up his mouth, and it's pitch black inside, and then he rubs his scales. He sort of does a winding thing with his body and he rubs his scales up against each other and it makes a hissing sound so the snake's not hissing he's actually his scales are are making a hissing sound and then he'll strike at you but he won't bite you because if he bites you he's going to give his game away so when i got into snakes before i got into snakes i was asked to come and catch one of these and i had no idea what it was and it scared the pants off me so that that's why these are very special to me as well because they're so harmless but yet they're so intimidating so this is our rhombic egg eater. Okay, so I've got a question. How often do I feed my snakes? So in winter, I feed them like once a month. So most of my snakes get fed mice and rats. 
dead mice and rats. And then obviously the egg eaters and some specialist feeders will eat eggs and other little things. But in winter, once a month, uh, summertime, every two weeks I'll feed them. So they don't have to be fed every day, which is really cool. So those of you that want to keep snakes, they're easy to keep. They really are. <laughs> Convince your mom and dad. Right, so the last snake I want to show you is our largest snake. And it can, it, it, it gets confused a lot with the Cape Cobra, um, but it's not. It's a harmless snake, but I would sort of keep my distance because they, they've got a hundred teeth in their mouth and they can give you stitches if they bite. Any guess? Any guesses? So, so this is my mole snake. All right, he's not, he's not very big. So yes, it's the largest snake in the Western Cape, but these guys can get bigger than this. All right, they can get up to two meters. That's as long as what I am. All right, and they can get about as thick as my wrist. So they're really important for our environment. They take care of all these horrible mole hills. You know the mole heaps that you see all over the show? They take care of those moles. All right, they're very strong snakes. Um, they can be aggressive. So if you see a mole snake in the wild, I would rather just leave it alone, even though he's harmless. When I got this snake, he's, our kids gave, well, my kids gave him a name. His name was Mr. Grumpy Socks. He didn't like being handled, but after, obviously he trusts me now, and um, I sort of trust him. Um, <laughs> um, I'm happy to do this, but at any time he could turn around and he could just say, you know, leave me alone or whatever. So he's got a small head. See, he's not very big compared to the rest of his body, but I tell you what, that little head can pack a punch. All right, if he bites me, he'll definitely give me stitches. So if you see a mole snake, best to rather just leave it alone. Very thick snake. You see how or how thick he is compared to the, you know, for his size. Because he uses his body just like a python. He's a constrictor. And he wraps himself around a mole or a rat or whatever. And that's how he kills him before he eats it. And he swallows it whole. So he'll open up his mouth. Snakes don't bite little pieces off their prey. They swallow it whole. So this is, eh? Well, you might just choke. Be careful. So this is a mole snake. They're a protected species in the Western Cape. Um, probably one of the few protected snake species. Other snakes aren't protected, but these guys are. Because of the purpose that they serve for, from a conservation point of view, they really do um, a great job at um, you know, taking care of rodent populations. So you see these a lot on the West Coast Road from about September, crossing the road, and you see a lot of dead ones as well. You know, because people don't like, a lot of people don't like snakes, so what they rather do is just ride over the poor thing instead of just waiting for it to cross the road. But these guys are very important to our environment. That's our mall snack. Thank you. Cool. cool. Amazing. Um, so that's our, some of our South African snacks or our snacks that we find in the Western Cape. So as, of course, um, we've seen with the tortoise how small the babies are and how um, big the adult is. Well, adults can get bigger. Um, and, of course, with the snake, have you, as you... No, they all, have, they all start off quite small and they get bigger. Um, so you might think, okay, you know, how do they get bigger? And of course, of course, all reptiles have to shed their skin to um, grow bigger. So this is a baby ball python skin. Um, you think it's actually from that ball python. As you can see, it's definitely not this size anymore. 
Um, so yeah, this is a ball python skin. And then we have a corn snake skin. Um, as you can see, it's quite long. And of course, as soon, of course, now when they get bigger, they need to take in bigger meals to grow. So of course, their body isn't going to really fit a big rat. So of course, they need to grow. And they get bigger to accommodate that meal. And when they get bigger, of course, uh, predators can't get them, so they're not as high risk as babies are. Same thing with the monitor lizard. Um, of course, this is also from an adult. So as you can see, quite rough scales and super thick shed compared to the snakes. Um, and of course, like I said, with the monitor lizard, very easy pickings for a bird or any other lizard or snake as a baby. But now, of course, at this size, I don't think a lot is going to mess with him. Um, so yeah, that is... Uh, reptiles, and that's what we do. Um, yeah, cool. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. That was uh, Jesse and Pierre. They're from the Edgemead AM congregation, so it's good to have them here. And I was chatting to Jesse just now, and he said, that for some of you who want to stay and touch some of the snakes afterwards, then that will be possible if you behave. And it won't be possible if you don't. Because, <laughs> you know, they're animals. So we've got to be nice to them and then they'll be nice to us. Um, I am just going to talk super briefly because, you know, this is church and sometimes we talk about the Bible here. And so I am going to um, just mention a couple of things. Um, the guy said, can you prepare a sermon to follow this? I thought there's only one sermon title that's appropriate for a day like today, and that is Snakes on a Plane. Um, and so the sermon today is called Snakes on a Plane, but we are going to be spelling plane, P-L-A-I-N. Okay, so let's go to Numbers 21. In Numbers 21, people have come out of Egypt. Do you remember how they came through the, the Red Sea and the waters all opened up for them and they were able to come through? But then they got into the wilderness, and in the wilderness, guess what you find? Snakes. Actually, what they found first was a bunch of grumbling people. And the snakes, it wasn't the snakes' fault. God actually sent the snakes. The grumbling people needed to learn a lesson. And so God sent the snakes to visit the grumbling people. And the grumbling people, who had become impatient with God and were kind of going, are we nearly there yet? Every parent, you understand that. Um, and so they're on this road trip, they're trying to get to the promised land, and the grumbling people are going, are we nearly there yet? And God decides, I'm going to send snakes. And he sends snakes, and these were fiery serpents, it says. Now, I don't know exactly what that means, but I'd imagine that means they were venomous, because people started dying. It was pretty tragic out there. It was getting pretty rough. And so God gave Moses a plan. And he said, put a bronze snake, so he made a, a snake out of metal, put it on a pole, lift that thing up, and when the people look at it, they'll be healed, they'll be saved. And this is what happened in Numbers uh, 21, it said um, that the Lord sent the fiery serpents, the people prayed, they said, we've sinned, we've spoken against the Lord, pray to the Lord, take away the serpents, so he makes this fiery serpent, set it on a pole. And he makes it, and in verse uh, 9 there it says, So Moses made a bronze serpent, set it on a pole, and if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. That's amazing. Now, don't try that at home, because that wasn't actually a cure for snake bites. 
That was something God was doing. It was a miraculous thing. It's not going to work. If you get encounter a snake, then like Pierre said, you just call mum and, and phone a snake man. But this was a plan that God gave Moses. And it's an interesting story. And it's one that Jesus picked up on. And for us, as those who follow Jesus, it's interesting that Jesus, when he was talking about himself. Now, who knows what it says in John 3.16? Does anyone know what John 3.16 is? God so loved the world. The world that he gave. Well, just before he got to that, he talks about the snakes on a plane. And he says, John 3, 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And then he says, For God so loved the world that he gave his Son. And so here, Jesus actually ties this story from the desert, from the wilderness, of everyone looking to something to be saved, he ties it to his own story. That Jesus was going to be nailed to a cross. He was going to be lifted up. That as people looked to him, as they had faith in him, just as people believed when they looked at that serpent on a pole, so they believe when they look at Jesus on the cross. And when they look and when they see, then they are saved. That's how we come to have eternal life, is because we look at Jesus. Paul, or whoever wrote Hebrews, um, says this. Um, he ties into this in Hebrews 12. And he's talking about running the race. And he says, So let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So there's a couple of things I want to pick up on there. The one is looking unto Jesus, looking to Jesus. That just like that serpent was lifted up in the desert and all the people who looked at the serpent was saved, so when we look to Jesus who is lifted up, we can be saved But we don't stop looking. We keep looking. That as we run our race, we keep looking. And that's such an important thing for us. You know, like one of the things around a snake is make sure you know where it is. (laughs) Keep looking. Well, same with Jesus. (laughs) Keep looking. Don't get distracted. Don't look around. Remember the story of Peter when he was walking on the water. And all the time he was looking at Jesus, he was walking on the water. But as soon as he started looking around and looking at the waves and the wind and the storm, that was when he began to sink. For us, running our race, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's the one who started it. He's the one who finishes it. We need to look to him and keep looking at him as we run the race. But there's something else. And Jesse mentioned these, these um, sheds, these skins. Now, we, we don't do this like this, but actually we do do this. Did you know all the dust in your house is probably your skin and your brother's skin and your mum's skin and your husband's skin? And, yeah, yeah. So with us, it comes off flake by flake. With a snake, it comes off all in one go, okay? <laughs> but these sheds, um, I, was, I was cycling once. <laughs> that in itself is a story. I was, so I was cycling with, 
I was cycling with Craig, who was playing bass tonight. We were cycling up Gil Basson when it still wasn't finished all the way through to uh, Sunningdale. And I, I saw a snake on the side of the road, and I was like freaked out. And then I realized it wasn't moving, and it was slightly blowing in the wind. <laughs> and I thought, I don't know a lot about snakes, but I know they don't blow in the wind. <laughs> so we got off our bikes, which was probably a good idea. And we went over, and it was a, it was a shed. And I was actually really hoping I had it, because it was quite a big, fat, long thing. Um, but this is, this is cast off. They just cast this off. Why do they cast it off? Because they need, yeah. Because they grow. Who here wants to grow? Right. Who here wants to grow not just physically? I'd still like to do some of that this way. I'm, I'm doing it this way. I need to do it this way. I need to tell my brain or whatever sorts that stuff out. Some of us would still like to grow this way. But, like I say, we, we don't have to do this to grow physically. But we also want to grow spiritually. And in Hebrews here, it gives us a real clue about how we grow spiritually. Not just that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and we keep looking at him. But it says, let us also lay aside or cast off every weight and sin which clings so closely. Can you imagine the the skin on a snake that clings pretty closely? And if you've ever seen, sometimes you go to a zoo or or somewhere and they have snakes and you see them coming out of their skin and it's it's a tight fit. You know, it's like when you try on a t-shirt at the shops and it's the wrong size and then you try and get out of it. It clings closely. (laughs) Well, that's what happens here. But there are things that cling closely to us that actually in order for us to grow... We're going to need to shed them. And it mentions one specifically. It said sometimes it's sin that clings closely to us. But because it mentions sin, well, then the other weights may not be sin. There may be other things. It could be comfort. It could be that you're just used to being the size you are. And you've put a full stop after your name. And you said, this is me. This is as big as I get. I don't do more than this. You know, I, I come to church, I, I turn up on time, I do coffee at least once a month and help. This is me, full stop. Maybe you need to shed that. Maybe you need to wriggle out of the feeling that you have reached your potential. Maybe you need to shake that off and actually realize there's growth ahead of you and there's more that you could step into. So maybe it's comfort. Maybe it is sin. Maybe there's a sin that has just got you wrapped up in knots. And many of us here know what that's like, to be tied up in a sin you can't shake off. And maybe you need to repent of that. Maybe you've tried repenting of that, and it keeps coming back. And you need to talk to someone about that. And you need to get free. Sometimes these snakes will rub against something, you know, just to start the process a bit, you know. And, And you need to sometimes get help getting free of the things that are tight around us. So it could be, it could be comfort. It could be sin. It could be an idea. And ideas is, there's a lot of bad ideas out there. A lot of them go under the label of truth. So people say, you know, it's true that, and then they say something, and you go, oh, that's true then. It's not. It's not true. So much of what people would tell you is not true. 
particularly when they say stuff that just doesn't match up with the Bible. I'm, I'm trying to think of PC, P, PG versions of things I could uh, uh, recount for you at this point with the kids in the room, but let's, let's not worry about the particular things. When you're reading your Bible and you find something that doesn't sound like what you heard everywhere else, trust me, the Bible is right. And what you heard everywhere else is wrong. You know, the, the truth is that the Bible is God's word. It's for us for all time. It doesn't change. And, and if we want to know the truth, we need to get stuck in. And we need to let it scratch us up the wrong way sometimes and, and, and actually make us go, actually, that's not comfortable. But maybe that's this coming off. Maybe it's the thing that's wrapped you up and kept you restricted. This so-called truth that you've held on to. Maybe it's some idea that you've always told yourself or, or an idea that just keeps playing in your head. You need to let that thing go. For me, there was a phrase that we, we said a lot when I was little. There are some things we don't do. And the reason is really funny because we went to see my grandmother one day and the day before, I was a slow eater. Can you believe it? I was a slow eater. It's because I was methodical and I got through it all. Um, <laughs> I was a slow eater and so uh, my family had moved on to the second course while I was still doing my first course. So there was my ice cream next to my plate and I had baked beans and ice cream. I figured, you know, what goes better with ice cream than baked beans? So I figured, let's, let's consolidate. And, and so I moved some of the baked beans onto the ice cream and that was what I was doing. The next day we went to see my grandma and we told my grandma this is what was happening. She said, there are some things we don't do. But the thing is, this kind of became a catchphrase for us. And then it became a bit of a restriction in my thinking. Like, because if you actually live by there's some things we don't do, well, you need to be a little more specific. I mean, jumping in front of traffic, that's a good one. Yeah, but like, but telling someone about Jesus, that's not a good one to say that we don't do. You know, sometimes there's an idea and it keeps us wrapped up. We need to shed that. So the whole story from top to bottom. We look to Jesus. He's our salvation. We keep looking at him as we run the race. And we allow him to speak to us about the things we need to shed. It could be you're here this evening. Maybe you need to shed something. And because of the nature of the time we're having now, I'm not going to do a come forward now. We've got kids at the front, and um, I actually want them to get to play the snakes just now. And God understands that. So he can still meet your need. Okay. Are we cool God just doing stuff the way he wants? Okay. So what I'm not going to do is get spiritual music going and then get us all to stand and get us to close our eyes and get us to walk forward. I'm just going to go, if you need to shed something in your life, if ever I've been talking to you, you've gone, oh, he's not just talking to the kids. Ow. That actually speaks to me. Then I'd encourage you just to stand where you are. Say, actually, yeah, maybe there's something that's a little bit tight on me. Thank you. There's people standing already. Maybe there's something that's a little bit squeezy on me. Maybe I've put words around myself that wrap me up and keep me tight. Maybe I've got comforts in my life that I like it like this. I don't want to do it different. Maybe there's sin and you go, I want to deal with this thing. And, and if it's something you've not managed to beat, then I encourage you to talk to someone, rub up against someone, get the process of peeling starting. Is there anyone else you want to stand I'm going to pray with these guys. God is going to do something awesome for them. And so I encourage you to join in. If that's you, if you need to, 
start the process of peeling, (laughs) then do it. And let's be free. And let's grow. Because ultimately, growing is about God being able to use us more. And that's amazing. The bigger you get, the more you can do. And so, Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for each one of these who stood here this evening. Lord, we thank you that as we look to you, um, we see you. As we see you become more like you, that we can be transformed from one degree of glory to another, just as these um, animals that we've seen can grow and throw off and grow again and cast off and grow again. Lord, I pray for each one standing here this evening, that, Father, whatever it is they're casting off, whether it's comfort, whether it's sin, whether it's words that have wrapped them up and constricted them and tied them up, Lord, I pray right now, by your Holy Spirit, you would release them right now. We speak your life. We speak your freedom. We say, loose them and let them go in Jesus' name. May they be free. May they feel this extra stretch in their body, in their frame, even in their spirit. As they stand here now, they would feel the extra stretch. That, Lord, you would enable them to step into something new, something broader. The boundary lines would fall in pleasant places. There would be wide, open spaces ahead of them. But they would know your pleasure. They would know your favor. And they would step into more in you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. That is us for tonight. But like I said, the party's not over. I see that my string is no longer a straight piece of string. It's, it's wrapped around feet and all kinds of things. That's fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, can you stay that side of the table? And then Jesse and Pierre can be this side of the table. And then we have a measure of control over what happens next. I don't know if you want to pull these aside. Um, Then you've got those.